Hello, and welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to leaders in the mortgage and real estate industries. Our goal is to talk about current events, interesting things from their end of the industry, and anything else that we feel is fascinating. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Very excited to have a special guest, Tammy Butler, one of my favorite people to talk to in the industry. Tammy is publisher of Mortgage Currency, CEO of Fair Lending Diversity, Six Sigma Black Belt, and probably about eight more things that I'm forgetting, or maybe just another company she started since I talked to her last. Um, very prolific in the industry. So excited for you to hear from Tammy and talk about some things that are going on. Tammy, thanks so much for for coming on today. I would love to hear about kind of what you spend your time on right now and also kind of your your path there in the industry. Yeah, of course. Well, as you stated, I own two companies right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mortgage Currency, which I picked up a few years ago, which is the, you know, the number one platform out there for interpretation of underwriting guidelines and helping originators and processors and underwriters uh, make sure that they Uh, stay up to date because we're not encyclopedias and we don't have computer chips in our brains yet. So we need a lot of great reference materials to keep up to date. And then CEO of Fair Lending Diversity. And primarily in Fair Lending Diversity, we work with the top lenders, uh, banks, anyone who is being challenged by fair lending issue. And our specialty really is uh, focused on pricing disparity and redlining. Mm Great. And how are you seeing that, you know, over the last year change um, in terms of the need for legislation? Um, how are loan officers staying on top of this with record volume? What is what has been different for you over the last year in, in the, both those worlds? Well, I think there's some real challenges. I, you know, we, we have, uh, we've had, un, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it, unprecedented volumes that we had last year, right? Um, And with that, anytime we get a big spike in volume, we get a little sloppy because we're just trying to get the stuff done, right? Mm -hmm. And so we aren't minding our P's and Q's as well as we normally do. And unfortunately, a year or two later, that comes back to get us if the administration that's in power at the time happens to be focused on those issues. And so we kind of have that double-edged sword going on right now. Mm -hmm. We have an administration change. We have the fact that we've gone through all of this volume and continuing to go through this volume. Mm -hmm. And the administration change has made it very, very clear that when it comes to certain topics like fair lending, they're going to be very rigid and active in those areas. And so that always gives everyone a bit of angst. I think the third thing that sometimes people forget about is that our data that we're transferring to the CFTB Mm -hmm. under HMDA has become incredibly big. And when I say incredibly big, we used to look at companies with Humda data and we Mm -hmm. would look at them as a whole, right? Just kind of a big oversight. And then what ended up happening is with this in 2018, we had to do send more data. Mm -hmm. Well, think about 2018, 2019, and 2020 data is now coming in with the big data sets that allow them to drill down to the loan officer level, not the Mm -hmm. company, the loan officer level. And that changes the game completely when it comes to some of the issues that I think lenders are gonna be facing. Mm -hmm. Now, I also see a difference between banks and mortgage bankers, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
The yeah. banks have been such heavy regulation for so long that they're used to it and they've got a lot of their stuff in order. Um, mortgage bankers, on the other hand, this is all relatively new to us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not something that we have focused intensely on. And so as a result, we've got some work to do in those areas. And I think that many lenders are being challenged by the way we used to do business versus the way we now need to do business based on all of these changes that we've gone through. It seems with compliance, there's always the, the adage of a carrot or stick for a motivator. And it seems like there's never the carrot motivator in compliance. No one, it's just when there is a fear of regulation, people get stuff in order. Is that what you found? What type of carrots are you able to offer or kind of arguments you can make for the use of compliance, regardless of administration, um, dealing with these different well, companies? Yeah, and I remember, I work with a lot of the, the larger mortgage bankers um, mm -hmm. because in my opinion, there's a lot of leakage on the front end. Mm -hmm. And when I think that, we spend an enormous amount of money, time and effort on marketing and bringing deals in the door. Mm -hmm. But in years where we have this, this, uh, this pop in uh, business, what ends up happening is that we're losing so many potential clients because we don't have time with them. We don't, can't pay attention to them. We don't mm -hmm. have uh, the right pricing models in place. You know, all of that leakage that occurs. Mm -hmm. And when we actually work with lenders on leakage, it's surprising. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, one of the lenders I worked with, we talked about leakage, how to capture that, how to convert it, how to uh, basically solve some redlining issues, pricing disparity issues, all of the things that we worry about on the fair lending side. But the nice thing about it was that after we were done and put these things in place, the one branch that we did the beta testing on about six years ago, mm -hmm. that one branch popped into an extra million dollars in income that they mm -hmm. had never anticipated because we put all of that in place. And of course, after that, they rolled it out to all of their mm -hmm. branches nationally. So I think that sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees because we're only looking at what's in the pipeline mm -hmm. and what's committed versus what we're losing in that front end. And that's something that's that we see a lot. You and I have talked a lot about our, the, the Mortgage Sentinel compliance solution that we roll out with secret shopping and fallout rate yeah. or leakage is something we see constantly. And I would say right. the listening to loan officer conversations, the biggest kind of area of variance is what that process is like for the borrower, mm -hmm. what people are promising, what they're saying, just how they're talking to them um, in the area mm -hmm. of good versus bad it's just so wide and it always surprises me. Um, but how do you quantify that leakage when you're going in and talking to um, a lender? How should they be thinking about something that's that kind of opaque of, I don't really know what files I don't get because I don't get them. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we started small, we, we tested branches, we picked up some metrics from there. And mm -hmm. so we've been able to, we've been able to formalize that a bit. So we know mm -hmm. on your app, brands about how many they're losing each month. Um, of course, there's every branch is different, right? Uh, but for the most part, we, we have some great averages that we've built in there. But I agree with you on the mystery shopping side that you all offer. Mm -hmm. I, there's just a tremendous amount of stuff going on out there. If you, if you look at Facebook and what they think are private groups, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so they're a member of a private group, the loan officers, and they think that anything they say is private. 
not realizing that in litigation, all of that stuff is called into record. Um, it's all there. It's not private. Uh, anything you say in social media platforms, in chats, in text messages, it's not private. You know, so, so don't get caught up in that. I think everything is private because I have put it in a private group. Um, those are some of the things that we also talk to them about. And I'm sure that you do with the mystery shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you really have to kind of get your arms around the front end. And to use an old phrase that's still used today, it's like herding cats, mm-hmm. right? So you've got people out there who are originators. I used to be a top producing originator. I totally get this mentality, mm-hmm. right? I'm out there. I, I'm building my business. I'm, you know, like a Wild West cowboy. And I'm going to go out there and conquer the world and do what it takes and, and all of that. And rules don't apply to me and that, that kind of mentality that we have out there. But that was a long time ago when I originated. Rules now do mm-hmm. apply. Rules do take down companies. And as a result, we want to make sure that we're communicating it to our sales staff in a way that they get it right? That they Mm -hmm. understand what the repercussions might be. Not compliance said you have to do this because Mm -hmm. like a parent, right? Mm -hmm. But why it might be important to you so that you can keep your license and how it affects everybody and how you can actually do more business. And so we focus on two things. I focus in fair lending uh, work that I do. I focus on making sure that we keep our profit models intact, Mm -hmm. making sure we increase the profit that we're getting, right? Not then, but at the same time, curing things like pricing disparity and redlining. So you can mm-hmm. do all of that. You don't have to give up any of those in order to be a fair lending compliant lender. And then I think finally, the last thing is there's a huge misunderstanding of fair lending, mm-hmm. right? Huge misunderstanding. People say, well, I don't discriminate against anybody. Well, the only color I care about is green. Well, yeah, but I don't think you understand disparate treatment, disparate impact, all of the things that you probably have in place that you don't realize yeah. are major fair lending issues that the examiners would, would have an issue with. And that's really what fair lending is about. It's not about you're overtly uh, trying to discriminate against people. It's all of those policies and practices and the way people do business that are in place that cause you to have some of the issues that the examiners are concerned. Well, so much of this is just baked into the industry and systemic at this point that you're not, it's not an overt um, decision in any way. I'm, I'm writing um, an article for next week right now about a um, story I saw on MSNBC where a black couple um, got their home appraised after putting $400,000 into it. Um, they got an appraisal that they thought was well below market value. Um, So then they had a friend, a white friend of theirs poses the homeowner, nothing else about the home changed except for her being the homeowner, putting up a few pictures of her family. The appraisal went up 50% or Um, $500,000. And so it's, it's interesting to see how many of these things are still out there. And, and I think the point I'm, I'm trying to make in the article and in general, and, and I think you were getting to was, even though it's not overt now, kind of changing that does have to be overt. And when you go in and you recognize these things um, with fair lending diversity and your, the data showing you 
in hard numbers, what's what pricing differentials or what disparities are there? What do you, what's the next step? How do you then actually enact this change? Well, you know, the, the way, the traditional way in pricing and mortgage lending, right, is, is very problematic in today's world. Mm-hmm. So we have things where we've built in the loan officer commissions, which can vary, mm-hmm. right, which means that can vary to the consumer as far as right. what their rate and price would be. We have built into their varying product margins. So I may have 150 basis point markup on a conventional loan and 350 basis point markup on an FHA loan, right? And that's a lot to try to justify. That's a 200 basis points difference between mm-hmm. those two loans. Not to mention the differential and probable differential with the loan officer commission. Mm-hmm. And so trying to explain, well, we've always done it this way and everybody does it this way, right? Yeah. And, and how that isn't going to work with right. the examiners as it worked with those lenders who have been, you know, caught in those practices. Mm -hmm. And that's a very tough thing to get through to people who have been doing this for 30 years. And this is the way their profit models have always been. You had mentioned um, kind of the pricing disparity on FHA versus conventional. We actually had a a secret shop call where someone called as a borrower, 10% down, perfectly fine credit score and everything. And they automatically got pitched an FHA product. Mm-hmm. Is it because of a commission? Yeah. You know. Well, I don't know that it would be because of. It could be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know because yeah, uh, we don't know how the company is set up. Um, but I would hope not. I would hope that they're not trying to steer mm-hmm. them. I would hope that it was a credit issue that FHA would accommodate that conventional would not accommodate, mm-hmm. um, or perhaps a credit score issue. But right. I mean, so that's a possibility, and I would hate to think that that's still going on out there. Mm-hmm. It may be, yeah. you know, and, and we have increased regulation and exam oversight. You know, I hate to right. say it, and I don't want that on my industry at all. Yeah. Um, but that sometimes is the only way that behavior gets changed with regard mm-hmm. to what the ECOA laws are. Well, when you have a conversation with Gina, the branch manager, she's dealing with, she has these top producers, right? She doesn't want to necessarily upset the apple cart with what these producers are doing. So how do you have a conversation to get them to change that behavior? And how can you kind of break through that? Well, so one of the techniques that that we utilize is that the other area of concern in our industry is the intensely highest high percentage of exceptions. So typically mm-hmm. when I see margins that are out of control uh, or not flat or varying degrees with the loan officers, I also see a correlation there with 98% exceptions. Mm-hmm. So if we're having 98% exceptions, then we need to take a look at that a little bit more deeply. And this was something that was brought up recently on the interagency call with all of the regulators, including the CFPB. Mm-hmm. And they talked about pricing exceptions and how that's really gonna be an area of focus for the CFPB. Mm-hmm. So we've gotta get smarter with our analytics with pricing exceptions to figure mm-hmm. out why we're not in market because if 98% of the time we're not in market or mm-hmm. 95%, those should be closer to 10 to 15% just to put that in perspective. And it's been my experience that that is not even close. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the way that you approach this is that 98% of the time, 
you are priced out of the market anyway and you request mm -hmm. an exception. So perhaps that by changing some of the pricing structures that we have, mm -hmm. it's not really going to affect your pricing because you're asking for the exceptions anyway. Right. We're just going to cut that out, get back into market so that you're not in the business of asking for a pricing mm -hmm. exception every single time. So this so is an area, sorry, this is an area I'm a little more unfamiliar with. So a pricing exception is when the price for a certain borrower, the loan rate is higher than you think it should be to be competitive and you ask for it to get lowered? Right, right. So what yeah. happens a lot of times is that we've got these bigger margins in certain products, right? Yep. And, you know, I got to say they disturb me and I'll talk about VA specifically mm -hmm. uh, here in a minute. But we've got these, these product margins that are higher than, let's say, the uh, what we'll consider the cream of the crop sort of margins like a conventional loan as mm -hmm. an example okay and so when we exercise those bigger margins a lot of times we're not going to be market competitive because there will be other people out there that are pricing lower than we are mm -hmm. and so when that happens then i get somebody on the line i'm talking to them and my prices are too high mm -hmm. and so i have to ask for an exception and uh, make sure that i get my you know, there's a correlation between price and rate. So I have to get my price adjusted so that my rate can go down a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's an example. Or uh, one of the most egregious things I see out there is that VA doesn't, VA doesn't allow you to charge some of the junk fees that we are allowed to charge on other products like underwriting and processing fees. Mm -hmm. So in order to make that income back up, what some of the lenders are, are doing is they say, well, we'll just charge a 1% origination fee, not on anybody else, just the veterans, and that'll make it up. Right. But let's do the math on that. So my origination, my underwriting and processing fees come up to $1,000. Mm -hmm. My average loan is 300000 on a VA. I charge 1% origination. I've charged the veteran $3,000 yeah. more than I would have charged to uh, an FHA or a conventional buyer, as an example. Mm -hmm. So those are the sorts of numbers you have to look at before you just blatantly say, oh, let's just charge origination or right. let's just charge a half origination. We have to look at how that affects mm -hmm. your pricing. And, 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 and if you just break it down a little bit for originators, I think that they get it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you have to come down with the hammer. Um, and I do think that you're able to keep your staff. At least my lenders have been able to keep their right. staff. You know, they've had no major runoff because they flattened their margins or decreased mm -hmm. their pricing exceptions. In fact, if anything, they've had higher profits and mm -hmm. reduced their funding risk. I think you'd mentioned um, managing loan officers can be like herding cats. Um, and I, I love the expression, you can't herd cats, but you can control where you put the food. Um, and right. I think any sort of sales professionals, loan officers, right. especially will adapt to what the situation is. So if they're making a higher percentage on lower loan amounts, higher loan amounts, VA, FHA, whatever it is, that's going to affect people's behaviors, especially sure. when they're working for any sort of compensation or commission. Um, so I definitely yeah. really appreciate what you're saying about being more thoughtful about that because those commissions then affect people's behavior. Well, I'll tell you, I used to coach top producing originators many years ago, and one of them had a, a great a line as a salesperson. He says, I can shear a sheep for life, but I can only slaughter it once. So if I go into my business with the mentality 
that I'm just going to keep growing and getting yeah. referrals, hearing that sheep. It's a lot better than trying to slaughter people here and there uh, mm -hmm. in order to get financially. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to something that we talk about a lot, um, where the more successful loan officers, the more successful companies treat this like a relationship, right? Like you, mm -hmm. we want to be able to share the sheep every for the 10 purchases or mortgage transactions that someone has over the course of their life, opposed to just that one deal. Um, do you find that companies are still having that relationship focus or are things shifting more to like a technology transactional model? Well, it depends. You know, we really are, we're kind of morphing into the future right now. So when I say we're morphing into the mm -hmm. future, what's happening is that we are going from more of our traditional retail loan officer in the field to a lot of these companies moving into call center environments with a younger trained staff, like a, mm -hmm. you know, a Quicken is the one that got it started. Mm -hmm. I actually trained their first uh, 12 employees in their call center when they were Rock Financial. Oh, wow. With scripting. <laughs> so that was many moons ago. Yeah. Um, but I think we're morphing into those models because it's more controlled mm -hmm. and more profit for the companies, right? But that's never going to, in my opinion, get rid of your specialized people in the field. It's just going to, you know, uh, take some of them out that that really aren't uh, the right person to do some of the niche stuff that happens in a community or build within a community. You know, people only go to these other platforms because they don't know where else to go. And nobody mm -hmm. has taken the marketing time in order to educate them to the point where they know where to go, right? Mm -hmm. But who's going to do that when you have some of those companies able to do Super Bowl ads and sponsorships and billions of dollars that a publicly traded company can spend when you have a mortgage broker down the street? How can that person compete? Well, you can easily sell against them. I mean, all you have to do is look at the LEs that are being put out and you mm -hmm. can easily sell against them. You might have to use um, great products in order to do that, you know, mm -hmm. personally, as a mortgage coach, I think it's a great product uh, mm -hmm. because you can visualize what you're trying to explain to the client in a way that most people will understand that versus just talking to them on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, I like that visualization. And I think that's mm -hmm. uh, one of those principles. Yeah. I think it's a great way to communicate to buyers too, because you're really being thoughtful about them and their personal financial mm -hmm. situation. We've integrated with Mortgage Coach. They have a fantastic team. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, great. yeah, they have a great product. They've they've been a pleasure to work with. So make a little, a little plug for them there. But yeah. um, what kind of wrapping up here? What biggest issues do you see right now with the loan with large banks that you work with? What's keeping them up at night? Aside from kind of the fair lending and compliance, what are the things that they're looking over their shoulder of? constantly? Well, you know, I think we have real challenges in our industry mm -hmm. with the amount of technology, disparate technology that we have to utilize, right? Mm -hmm. We've got LOS systems that just are way long ago should have been retired and re revamped, right? Mm -hmm. We've got average lenders using 15 to different 20 software programs, worrying about the APIs, the process flows, and and whether or not they're talking to each other. And when something updates, God forbid, because 
that causes something else to fail. Mm -hmm. So this whole disparate technology and not having a technology or a couple of technologies that work the entire workflow um, is really challenging, I think, for a lot of lenders. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're just getting reports. You know, when I, when I start with a client, I ask for simple reports that everybody should be able to pull. And it's coming generally from three to four different divisions out of three to four different mm -hmm. uh, systems that don't talk to each other, that yeah. have completely different information. And my gosh, that confusion when you actually have to get into an exam mm -hmm. is really going to make you bad, makes you look like yeah. you don't have your act together. And as a result, then guess what happens? They dig more. Right. <laughs> what we want to do with examiners is what? Come in, you guys look great. That's awesome. Yeah. We're leaving. Not, gee, I think I need to stay longer. I always find it interesting. I come to some lenders and um, their first mortgages and second mortgage are completely different departments, completely different softwares, right. nothing related at all. And I just think like, right. aren't you serving the same people here? Like, isn't, shouldn't this be a little easier? But I feel like it gets tougher and tougher for people to get everything working and, and pulling together. And I think it's a tough thing technology-wise as someone who sells technology in the industry. There's so many different parties and there's so many business reasons why the different systems don't want to talk together um, that I don't know if we're ever going to really truly get there. You have the settlement providers using different software, then appraisals using different software, then lenders, who knows what realtors are doing some of the time. So I don't, I don't know how we actually get everything to align in one way that makes sense. Well, I think that we can do it. Um, I hope it doesn't take an Amazon to come in and teach us how, yeah. um, you know, because then we yeah. really would lose that battle. Um, it, I would really love to see some of that happening with, within our industry because we really do look silly to the consumer quite a bit yeah. uh, when it comes to the process flow. And so it would be nice if we could kind of clean that up. I think the banks are getting there. The banks mm -hmm. have uh, done They've been doing this and in investing and working through that a lot of times with proprietary technologies. Yeah, uh, They run through their exams much easier because they know what they need to produce. Mm -hmm. So I think we're still learning stages to see in the mortgage industry yeah. and we'll, we'll get there without getting blown out of the water by yeah. some of these bigger players trying to come in. I know for a while that was kind of the promise of, of Mismo and the uniform closing data set of let's get everyone speaking the same language and passing things yeah. along so that we can all work on the transaction. And I see you shaking your head there. It, it has not been the case with that at all, that no. it's been a, a fluid process, unfortunately. Yeah, the developers, you know, they, they'll give me all kinds of reasons as to why that's not a good way to go. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to take that. Um, but, but basically, I would love to see a, a data set yeah. that we all function on. I think we would be a lot slicker as an industry if we actually did yeah. that. Um, but for some mm -hmm. reason, you know, everybody's trying to hide their secrets, right? Yeah. Like nobody can figure out what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not that tough. Yeah, it's not rocket science. One of, uh, one of the things I do about once a month on this podcast is I interview um, either a potential home buyer or someone who just bought a home. Um, usually a friend of mine and the amount of confusion and frustration with the process 
all the time yeah. is one of the things we call it a ne- America's next top home buyer is the name of the segment. Um, and I always just, just the amount of confusion and questions, even after someone's gone through the process, is just amazing. So I'm, I'm really trying to just make sure it stays top of mind in the industry, because I think we all yeah. too often can get kind of far, far away from that. Well, we speak another language. People don't yeah. understand that in it. But I have employees that, that do graphics work and all of that for me, um, video, all the things that we need to produce, right? And they're not from the industry. And so when we have our standing calls and we're talking mortgagees, they're like, we have no idea what you just said. Uh, and that's really how you have to kind of keep yeah. your mind if you're going to work with consumers and your materials yeah. and your product flows. Yeah. Who's this Erla person? Yeah. Right. Like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we could probably talk forever about some of these issues in the industry. But the one last question I like to ask everyone um, is if you had a magic wand and you could solve one major issue that's going on in the industry right now, what would it be? Uh, It would be curing the disparate technologies that we have Mm -hmm. in our industry, Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it would just clean up a lot of stuff that we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe we're going to get there. I I hope we are going to get there. Um, it's going to take some. It's going to take some money behind that, but somebody's going to figure it out. Where we're not bandaging pieces of technology together and trying to get them to talk, so that we can have something that works a lot slicker. And it may be proprietary technologies, like uh, mm-hmm. some of the larger lenders are just saying, "Forget it. We're not dealing with anything. We're just going to build all of this out ourselves." Right. And trying that, some with success, some without success. Or even just the more API focus of a lot of these larger systems and getting things to flow together, hopefully a, a yeah. little a little more smoothly. I um, saw one right. somewhere that in an average transaction, the address has to be entered 80 times. Why? Right? Yeah. And like how many, what, what margin of error does that create too? If someone's Why? putting street instead of lane, instead of road or spelling something incorrectly. So, you know, sooner, yeah, hopefully sooner than later. And I think people should view it as a way of just really helping the industry by getting there and not people kind of protecting their, their segment by not wanting to, to innovate. You know, that's what, that's what people said at Kodak or, or Blockbuster and, you know, classic business examples of what happens. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for your time, Tammy. Um, is there anything you want to promote or anywhere people can find you if they have questions about anything that you do or want to speak with you in more detail? Well, thank you for that opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to check out Mortgage Currency, it's www.mortgage. Everyone should be able to spell that word. Currency, it's current with C-Y on the end, dot com. Mm-hmm. And then if you are uh, curious about fair lending solutions, uh, that's fairlendingdiversity.com. Um, and they can reach me at either one of those platforms and I'd be happy to discuss whatever their needs are. And I thank you for having me on today. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always, Jim. And uh, you've got a lot of good things going on over there. And I hope people check that out on a regular basis. Yeah. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun having you on. I I knew we'd uh, be able to uh, have some interesting conversations. So never, never disappoint. So I really appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Please like and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at lendingleaders at lssoftwaresolutions.com. Hope to hear from you.